Hello, with me today is Harry Nimmo, Fund Manager of the Standard Life UK Smaller Companies Trust and the ASI UK Smaller Companies Fund. Harry began running the 1.7 billion fund in 1997, for which he currently has a top CityWire AAA fund manager rating. And he took on the Investment Trust in 2003, running it on the same approach of finding quality growth stocks. Harry, uh, it's lovely for you to uh, uh, get in touch and to, 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 to speak to you, making the time. Um, I've mentioned both trust and fund uh, just before we get started. You know, how, how similar are they? Uh, have they? Do they hold the same investments? Well, there's, uh, I would say it's about 85% the same. Um, and you'll, you'll notice that the performance is very similar too as a result of that. But sometimes on a, on a cash flow basis, um, there are differences and also the trust can actually go slightly smaller. It can go into the sub 200 million market cap area, whereas the, uh, the OIC, which is um, after all 1.7 billion in size, really can't go much below 200 million. So there is a, um, a difference in that respect. Okay, thanks for clarifying that. Um, we're going to focus on the investment trust, but I just wanted to check. Um, now, looking at the, the, the big question that everyone's focused on at the moment, coronavirus and its impact on the health and finances of the, the country is everyone's uh, top priority. In your long career, I wonder, where does the uh, pandemic stand in the list of stock market crises you've experienced? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's been quite a few, to be honest. It seems to be definitely a recurring theme uh, in my in my working life. I remember 1987, the uh, kind of flash crash we had then. Um, I, I'd been in the business for two or three years at that stage. And, and then a very serious aftermath to the uh, technology bubble in 2000, a three-year bear market, and then the banking crisis, uh, 2007, eight, and into 2009, and, and then the COVID crisis. I would say that the Easily the worst, actually, was the banking crisis. And uh, the reason for that is that it did appear at one stage that the entire banking system, pretty much across the world, at least in many major economies, was uh, faltering. I was sitting here as the uh, Bank of Scotland, Royal Bank, a whole series of other ones appeared to be going out of business. And, and that was clearly... Uh, heralded a potential meltdown of uh, enormous proportions and thankfully our, uh, our leaders managed to get it together um, in time to, to reverse that and the recovery started for smaller companies on the 1st of December 2008 and for um, large caps in, in March 2009 and actually that was way before the, uh, the worst of the, uh, the downturn um, um, past markets look um, look very far in the, uh, into, into into the future, and I, I hope that the COVID crisis is actually past. We've regained quite a lot of the losses. Um, the banking crisis was definitely the worst, but sometimes it doesn't take too long. Even in the banking crisis, it only took eighteen months for markets to uh, reach new highs. Okay, well, that's uh, that's encouraging. Not sort of downplaying the challenges we face. It's good to have that uh, long-term perspective from you. Um, you have a reputation for uh, running with your winners and, and watching smaller companies you know, grow into to bigger ones. Um, Games Workshop currently has been working well for you, uh, but before that, ASOS, Superdry, Rightmove, you know, were companies that kind of went from small to mid-cap. Um, but notwithstanding what you, you just said, said, and maybe the banking crisis was worse, uh, but COVID-19 represents such a big challenge and a turnaround from you know, previously more optimistic 
uh, expectations. I wonder what changes to the portfolio, the investment trust portfolio, have you made since the outbreak uh, began? Um, have you bought any new positions? Yes, or, or uh, there, there have been, it's more been uh, topping up in existing positions. But one we did buy um, was um, was Lion Trust, uh, a little bit um, of a tricky one, buying uh, a competitor, but um, huh. uh, the time for the uh, the Lion Trust model of of adding on excellent teams. They're the right size. They're they're small and nimble enough to 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 make uh, bolt-on acquisitions that make a lot of sense. And I've got a high regard for their their business model, it's got, uh, it's got real momentum, but I don't want to big them up too much. They're your rivals in the UK equity space, aren't they, after all? Absolutely, absolutely they are. And, um, and they're, they're very, um, very fine rivals too. But so there's, there's always room for, uh, for more than one um, operator in these, in, in these sectors. That's interesting um, that you buy them, though, though, though because, uh, yeah, their business model you refer to, uh, they've got a sort of uh, well-established UK team, but they buy other boutique fund management teams, don't they, to expand their, their range. Um, interesting you're buying a financial stock at this point. Uh, it does make, I suppose you'd say that fund management shares can be even better performing at times than the funds that they run. Indeed, I suppose they are quite often... Uh, their performance is, is related to some extent to, uh, to market levels. And, uh, you know, if I'm right that we have passed, uh, passed the worst, then uh, and um, slowly optimism sets in, then uh, if, if the model of Ryan, Lion Trust is right, then there, there's a bright future here. But it's become much more diversified uh, with the purchase of Arkitas. Um, that's a fund of funds business. And, and they have, have a bond, uh, a bond business, um, fixed interest, uh, and a whole range of other um, specialities. And and they, they they appear to allow their fund managers quite a lot of leeway to uh, do what they do best. There's not one overarching investment process within the business, but it's it is well documented and like us, very stable. They don't change their 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 investment positions, and they don't acquire. Uh, too aggressively, they, they do it in stages. Their, their, their timing is, uh, I think, is is quite good, and they have a, their their net flows are, are strong, and they usually have two or three areas that are, are doing well at uh, any one time. Now, but, that's interesting, Harry. How much um, capital have you allocated to to this new position? It's about one and a half percent of the fund, and we we did participate in the recent uh, placing. Um, uh, that they had to to acquire Architas. So that was only about a week ago, after all. So it was very up to date. So it's it's a smallish position within our port, our reasonably concentrated portfolio. We have around fifty holdings. Um, obviously, average size about um, about two percent. So it's a below below average size holding. Okay. Uh, can I pick up on some other stocks that seem to have done well for you? Uh, Gamma Communications, Hilton Food, Kynos. Global data, do, do you recognise those as good performing stocks? Because they seem to, uh, their, their, their weighting in the trust seems to have gone up uh, this year. Is that because of rising share prices or have you been yeah. buying more? No, we, we haven't really bought any more of any of these uh, stocks. Uh, Gamma, Gamma Communications, a telecoms company that enables small, medium-sized businesses um, to, to actually more effectively work from home. That's been a byproduct that's been positive for, for Gamma, for, for for obvious reasons. Now, 
Hilton Foods is a meat a meat packer and a fish packer, and uh, they uh, their their biggest customer actually is Tesco, um, and clearly um, supermarkets are, are doing better business. So they. To Hilton only supply to the to the retail element, but they're a global business. Their methodology, their high return on equity, uh, uh, low capital model works well right across Europe. They've got relationships with uh, a number of European uh, producers in, in in the Netherlands, in Poland, in in um, Scandinavia, and interestingly also in Australia and New Zealand through FW Woolworths over there. So it's a very powerful founder-run business so we've been involved with for about seven or eight years uh, it's 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 a great business and i think the other ones you mentioned uh, likes of kanos now that's the um ulster based uh, digitalization company they take processes that used to be paper-based and digitalize them um, interactions between the um, government local government and the public or business um, that you, you do all the time. You renew your parking permit, you pay your, your council tax, um, you, you interact with the HMRC online. Well, a good number of these services have been written and updated by, by Kanos. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very impressive business. They also do Workday software, which um, is, is kind of human resource software. It's, a, it's an American company. They are the, the, the installers. and for that in, in UK and Europe, and actually in the US as well. Um, it's get, it gets a very high glass door score, if that's something that people care about. We, we look at it a bit. Uh, Is that the websites where people talk about how good uh, or bad their employers are? Yeah, um, people love to work for Kanos. It's a very uh, low level of uh, staff turnover. It's also come into its own in this, um, this, this, there's two reasons. One is that uh, Brexit um, and borders mean that a whole lot of new processes will have to be um, be added uh, for interactions of um, uh, government to business in terms of the import and export of goods and travel across uh, across borders and and Kanos are the people to do that. And in the COVID period, um, also um, things like um, payment, the systems um, for furloughing for the CCFF. Uh, I'm not quite sure of the, the exact things that Kanos were involved with, but they actually did quite a lot of pro bono work. So when Boris, uh, Boris Johnson says he's going to introduce uh, furloughing, uh, the, uh, the, the next uh, minute he's on the call to Kanos to get them to figure out how to um, Put together a digital system that will work. Well, um, that is interesting because the whole furloughing, the government administration of furloughing, seems to have been remarkably smooth, uh, certainly compared to the way the uh, actual uh, pandemic itself is being handled. Um, would you agree? Uh, I, I'm going to take your word for it, but I, I think <laughs> I think you're right, and I think Kanos were uh, heavily involved in that. But hey, I could be wrong there. But yeah. um, just the kind of thing they do. And they did a lot of these things pro bono, um, which I, I think uh, gives you the idea that they, they want to do the right thing through this uh, COVID downturn. You know? Well, it, it always seems there's an opportunity uh, in, in ad an adversity. I'm just wondering, it's very interesting to hear you talk about the, these stocks, but have you been using, the, when you've been you know, topping up these positions, um, have you been using the cash that uh, your fact sheet says you had nearly 6% of the trust in cash at the end of April? 
um, that, that presumably provided the money for, for, to go out and buy these shares? Actually, uh, you know, we were even higher than that. Uh, in February, we were uh, over 9% cash. So we have run that down. We're, we're still around about um, uh, 6% cash at the moment, where, which is fairly, it's actually fairly cautious. Uh, I think in this improving scenario, there will be the odd setback. Um, it might not um, uh, quite take place overnight. And I, I suppose in some ways, we're a little bit worried about the, you know, I don't often take top-down views, but uh, the UK's position, the UK has actually been slower at uh, recovering in terms of its, uh, its stock markets than, than most others in the world. And, and that's particularly the case with, um, with, with small, small mid caps. And I think there is a, um, uh, we, we after all still have to uh, get through the Brexit negotiation. I think that's gonna be, um, slightly troubled. I think we probably will get through it. But uh, for international investors, the UK uh, right now is not the most uh, attractive place to be. Yeah. And the discount on the trust shares, the shares are trading at about 9% below their underlying net asset value. That's, and that's, a, that's a wider discount than, the, than, the, than is typical. Uh, that shows that investors, UK investors, or the, the types of investors that buy, buy your funds, they're cautious as well. Well, I'm not happy about that. I think our, our discount should be a lot narrower. And uh, I'm a bit upset that there are, you know, some of our competitors uh, in the smaller company trust um, market, they, they, they don't have as strong track records as us and they're tra trading on uh, uh, narrow discounts and that can't be right. And if the discount is, as you say, 9%, I thought it was slightly lower than that, but we actually have a discount protection policy. We go in and buy shares when it gets, uh, over eight percent and that's part of the reason we uh, i would like to i i think that's very good value for uh, our trust shareholders if we are buying in stock at greater than eight percent it means we're 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 actually getting something for nothing you know we're getting great companies at a, an eight percent discount and and that's got to be a good idea and one of the other reasons we got quite a lot of cash is that there has been a lot of fundraising. We knew there was going to be a lot of companies had to just make sure they had a had enough to get through. And there's others that have, um, I would say, um, you know, that from a position of strength, they are raising money to to benefit in the upturn and where others, some of their competitors are, are floundering. So we have seen quite a few acquisitions and, and, and fundraisings uh, of both sorts. Um, for instance, I mean, Liontrust is a good example of a, a company uh, issuing shares from a, a position of strength. Um, other ones, uh, and some of our companies have been hit very hard by the downturn. Uh, a good example of that is, is Dark Group, um, Jet2, the airline. Um, they raised money uh, about eight, eight weeks ago. We supported that. We, we had a good look at this company. It's very consumer-orientated. And it will survive. It can it, it can survive until well into next year, into April, into the summer season next year, from its own cash resources uh, without flying anybody. Now they are back uh, flying uh, flying people uh, to to the sun, to the to, the, to Spain and uh, and Italy and places, um, but they now have cash to continue. Where many other airlines will will really struggle next year. They'll they'll be able to continue to expand. So we thought we'd better have a decent amount of cash to 
help those companies get through to the other side. Uh, these are, are strong ones, and these are the ones we who tend to have in our portfolios. So it's part and parcel of your long-term approach that you're finding, you know, you're, you're looking for companies you like, and then you, you invest in them for the long term, and you're prepared to back them when things get rough. I just wondered when, you know, whether there was any, you, you described your approach recently as kind of best in class. You're looking for the best companies in given sectors, but some sectors like retail and, and travel have been hit for six. Do you have any regrets that you kind of, you know, have any exposure to those sectors when, when uh, things are so difficult? Okay, well, I... Uh... I had a theme that I was playing for several years. Um, I didn't choose this theme, but it, it became apparent in the portfolio is, is it, as you say, getting the, the best companies in more difficult sectors. And these are the ones to, um, to thrive when um, the going gets tough. Now, I suppose I didn't, certainly didn't predict how tough things were gonna get, get in this COVID downturn, uh, which meant that, even the great companies, the best companies in difficult sectors, would suffer uh, major setbacks. Um, but it's right in saying, well, let's take a case of case in point in, in the food to go market, um, a very difficult sector. We've seen lots of bankruptcies, lots of restaurants uh, uh, going out of business. But uh, and there's Greg's, uh, Greg's PLC. Um, they are, are a company that will see it through to the other side, but like all these other companies in their sectors are finding trading with, within the constraints of social distancing, very tough. Uh, so uh, Greg's have been hit in stock market terms uh, pretty hard um, and it might take them a little longer to recover, but they will be there um, in, the, in the long term. Whereas many other companies are going through CBAs and all this kind of Kind of jazz at the moment. Robert Walters in recruitment consultancy is the uh, it's the best recruitment consultant. It's very international and will definitely see it through to the other side. There's one that is reporting quite soon. Motorpoint and used car sales. That we all know that used car selling is a a little bit of a low grade industry, but I would say they're the best uh, of of that. Certainly compared with the likes of uh, Lucas and Pendragon. Okay, Harry, uh, can I just ask you about a couple of the real estate uh, holdings that you have, uh, SafeStore and Workspace. Um, SafeStore uh, seems to have gone up as a position, but Workspace is down. What, what's, uh, what's going on, on there? Okay, well, we have um, one, two, three, four positions in real estate. We're actually slightly heavier. This is a bit perverse because it's not a sector that one thinks of as um, in a good place right now. But Safe Store and Big Yellow, we have two self-storage businesses and actually they've had a, had a very good downturn. I suppose part of it is because you, you haven't been able to get into your um, uh, Big Yellow or Safe Store depot to collect your goods. And, um, if you want to you know, keep the stuff, you, you gotta, I suppose you, you keep paying. They haven't really seen any, uh, any bad debts. So it remains to be seen how things will go um, once we get back to normal post-COVID. Um, but I think they'll be a lot better than last time when this was quite a cyclical businesses, business. Both these stocks uh, continue to uh, pay dividends and increase dividends. The other one we have, and we've it's not had it for all that long, is Sirius Real Estate. It's actually a, a UK listed, but based in, in Germany. And it's also been increasing its dividends. It's more industrial real estate. And finally, you mentioned workspace. 
it's been a bit of a mixed picture. It's it's gone down really because um, it's not performed that well. It's and, a provider uh, of flexible workspace. So that's an interesting one when uh, people are working from home. How has it been doing? Exactly. It's not. Um, it's not been easy, and indeed, they've only collected about 70-75% of the rent um, that they might have expected. They've been quite, again, another company that's doing the right thing and helping its tenants get through to the other side. Um, now, I, I think what, what we might find is that um, larger, more established businesses might want to actually use um, workspaces, flexible um, working working spaces more often in future they have uh, sh short lease periods it's typically 18 months um you can you can kind of come and go and actually they're quite big big units they the number of people you can get into a unit uh, won't change with uh, with social distancing and it's all uh, central london based i think they'll basically be okay and their balance sheet is in far better shape than it was um, in the banking crisis when it did have a little bit of a trouble trouble getting through. But I, I think it's in a, in a good place this time, but it might take a, a year or two, a few years to get back to, to where they were. Okay, thanks for that, Harry. Oh, talking about individual stocks, just we could go back to the sort of big picture. Just wants to sort of pick you up on your optimism um, about, uh, you know, the market recovery. I mean, you know, it's not obviously not... You, you can't predict what's going to happen and uh, you're aware that there could, there'll be setbacks, I think you said. But um, how long do you think, economically, do you think uh, that the, the downturn's going to last? Uh, um, what shape, uh, type of recovery, what letter do you uh, latch on to? Uh, yeah, well, I think probably uh, for the UK, it might be more U-shaped, um, but maybe for some certain other parts of the world, it might, might be more uh, V-shaped. We're certainly seeing... Uh, early signs in the Far East that it's more, more V-shaped than U-shaped. But um, the UK, of course, has got um, issues of Brexit to, um, to grapple with uh, uh, as well. And I suppose a, a stock market on the large cap side that is, it seems to be chock full of um, really rather um, mature industries, industries that have seen better days, be it mining, oil and gas, banking, all these uh, insurance uh, and all the rest. Um, actually, the UK uh, small and medium-sized companies is where the interest is. Uh, there's plenty of growing businesses and you know, I'm, I'm a particular fan of the AIM market. About 30% uh, of our holdings are uh, from, that's the alternative investment market. 30% um, of our holdings are from these areas and, and that's been growing and I, I think the the sector, the AIM market, has become, become of age. And what is interesting to me is that AIM stocks have performed far better than both large caps and small mid-cap full list, fully listed companies in 2020. And that's because they are more growth and I suppose in general terms, more uh, technology and uh, related newer businesses that can actually thrive in, in the downturn. Businesses like uh, Team 17, which is a big holding for us uh, in computer games, and, and Global Data, the uh, market research provider. Um, these, are, these are the stocks uh, that are coming through strongly, and they're on the AIM market. So smaller companies is, is more interesting within the UK. The UK, unfortunately, at a large cap end, is, is full of 
some pretty mature businesses. And how would you, how would just the, 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 the outlook for smaller companies uh, in the UK compare with uh, global small caps? Because you've recently launched uh, a new global mid cap stock fund. Um, so presumably you're seeing uh, a lot of opportunities around the world as well. Absolutely we are. And um, it's, it's of interest. We, we've been running global smaller company funds since uh, January 2012. And... Uh, uh, you know, I'm heavily involved in, in that too. But we thought there's a space in the mid-cap, global mid-caps. These are, these are lower risk than uh, small caps, um, but they provide better returns than global large caps. And we feel there's a, there's a space in the market here for, for many traditional investors that perhaps don't feel comfortable with the higher risk levels of small caps. Uh, then mid-caps is for them. And we launched a, a fund like this in, in April. We didn't time it that way exactly. We've been uh, running a model portfolio and thinking about uh, global mid-caps for about 18 months, two years now. But we certainly weren't, weren't going to stop things um, just because there's a COVID uh, epidem epidemic or pandemic. Um, we felt actually that timing was was pretty good. And it's been a it's been a decent performer this far. Early days, obviously. I'm just wondering, in terms of your own personal capacity, um, you know, have you have you got too much to do? And of course, you did. You stepped back earlier in the year as as head of the um, uh, global smaller companies team at Aberdeen Standard. But now you've got this new uh, mid cap global fund, and you've got the fund and the U uh, unit trust, sorry, open ended fund in uh, in the UK. Um, yeah, have you got have you got too much on your plate at the moment given the challenging market conditions yeah i stepped down and, and actually the, the good news there is that uh, studying stepping down as head of the team really frees up your time it, it gave me about a third extra time um, um, to concentrate on this um, mid-cap launch and um, you know what i really like doing is running the money i'm not i'm not really very good at uh, running the team i'd, I'd rather be running running the money and so this is in some ways has given me uh, if anything, a, a new lease of life so I think uh, we've got it covered we're we're a, a bigger team than we were five years ago um, although people come and go um, and we've got a very experienced team and we are actually uh, uh, hiring a couple of uh, new people in the next six months to uh, to fill in the gaps Okay, and can I just ask you about your own um, uh, your own plans? Because uh, back in two thousand and fifteen, uh, you committed to the investment trust to, to run it for another seven years. So there's two years of that left. Um, are you planning to retire in two thousand twenty-two? I have no definite plans to retire as yet. Um, I, I'm really enjoying it, and uh, I'll, I'll certainly keep going until I'm until I've had enough of it. But that's uh, that time has not come yet. So you'll be 65, I think, in, in 2020. Just, just to give you one, just to push you a little bit on it, you'll be 65. You're saying you might not retire at that point. You might well carry on. It's, it's possible. Right. Okay. Well, uh, investors will be uh, pleased, I think, at that, that possibility. Um, but you're beginning to look for uh, succession. Like, Successors? Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, just to, to make that point, I mean, we have, I suppose, uh, stepping down from head of the team is... Uh, possibly the first step uh, towards um, retirement uh, in a few years time. Um, 
at, at that time, we, uh, Andrew Paisley stepped up. He was the deputy head of smaller companies team as an incredibly experienced investor. Abby Glenny stepped into the deputy role. Uh, there's been a number of changes uh, of that sort. Um, we also do not forget have an investment process that's been in place for more than 20 years, the quality, growth and momentum, matrix-led approach. Uh, the matrix, uh, which is a screening process, actually, I would say, um, if we didn't have the matrix, we'd need more than twice as many fund managers and analysts to enable us to, to do what we do. So that's a, that's a quantitative screening tool you use to sort of sift through lots of that's different right. data uh, uh, points coming out of the, the stock market and companies and you use it to kind of winnow down a, a list that looks interesting. Am I describing it right? You're absolutely right there and it, 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 it includes a series of factors we found to be predictive of share price performance uh, into the future and we, we, we back test that uh, continuously. So it is it is very cost effective and it keeps you extremely uh, true to your process. So um, I would say don't get sort of bound up with the idea that all the uh, winning performances is somehow connected with me. It's not me, it's the, uh, it's the investment process. And, and that's not gonna change even when I'm gone. And what I, I want to leave a legacy here uh, for our, our investors and for Aberdeen Standard that uh, will live um, well beyond uh, my departure. And you know, I like to think that in 10 years time, uh, uh, Aberdeen Standard will be uh, you know, the leading uh, small mid-cap investor um, across Europe and, in, and, and indeed the world. And what also makes our life a little bit easier is that we, with the merger with Aberdeen, uh, teams of uh, fund managers and analysts have joined us from that are working in Philadelphia, in Boston, in Singapore, in Australia, in Tokyo, a number of other places. And actually this helps us uh, run global funds more effectively, global small caps and global mid caps. But of course, everything goes through our, um, our investment process and is screened on our matrix. But to have these internal contacts is also useful. Yes, our process is obviously very uh, of paramount in importance, but uh, investors do like to uh, know who the, um, feel they have a, a handle and know the individual in charge. So it sounds like with a, a team of that size, you've got plenty of uh, a, a good pool from which to draw a successor. And maybe it might be one of the, the people you've mentioned uh, already. Um, Absolutely. I, I should have added that um, We've actually got three people on the UK side when we only had two uh, a year ago. Amanda Yeaman joined us from Investec um, back in June 2019. So that also gives us extra bandwidth to cover UK stocks and possibly frees up um, part of my time to, to spend on, on global um, possibilities. Okay. Now, you're, uh, at the moment, you're, uh, you know, the, the, the relative performance is, is, of the trust is good. I mean, it's got to be said that the shares are down uh, 23% this year, but that's actually better than the sector average, where uh, 
declines of 29% are, are more the order. Um, but notwithstanding that, the long-term 10-year performance and, and, uh, is, is, is still good. And personally, based on the performance of your uh, uh, open-ended funds, you, ha you have, as I said, got a AAA CityWire fund manager rating. And you've notched up uh, 14 consecutive monthly ratings like that. Um, it, 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 these things tend to go in patches. You had a really good patch uh, between 2006 and 2009, I'm told, where you had 35 consecutive ratings. You know, th th these are these are these are stats that uh, point to your, um, your 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 individual skill. But I'm just kind of picking up on your point about you know process versus individual. How much of that kind of performance, the the, the outperformance that you've generated, or that the trust has generated, how much is that down to the quality growth style, uh, and how much to stock picking? So it's a similar question to the one you're referring to, I think. Well, uh, our our process um, quality growth and momentum. Uh, is 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 about stock picking. It's it is it is one and the same. We don't take any top-down views. We uh, we don't have have any particular sector bets. We are led by our, our our screening process, which is stock selection related. So the two things are, um, I would say, one and the same. But you slightly you sort of hit the nail on the head a bit. We've always said, and this is we've gone, gone and we get stronger in this view as the cycles uh, go by. We provide resilience in difficult market conditions and that was certainly in the case in the banking crisis. It was the case in the uh, before that and the follow-on from the tech bubble. It was the case in the sort of Asian crisis of 1998 and, uh, and it was certainly the case into 2020 with the COVID crisis when our um, we actually had our best month of relative performance ever in, in March this year when markets were collapsing and one um, factor in our matrix performed extremely well more there was really works out in hard time that's out the Altman Z scores so um, we are resilient in down markets and sometimes when you have rip-roaring bear bull markets when markets go up really strongly we get slightly left behind and what is noticeable in 2009, there was a pronounced by what was called at the time a dash for trash rally. I remember uh, well. Uh, we uh, were left behind. Um, uh, small caps in 2009, I think we're up about 45%, um, maybe even more. Our, our funds were only up about 32%. Um, and you could argue that's a you know, 12% behind is not a good result, but our investors um, were more forgiving um, because they were quite happy with uh, a 32% upside anyway, and they saw good resilience in the difficult period in 2007 and eight. So I think it's a powerful combination um, that, that you get with our process, resilience in down markets and, and perhaps giving a little bit of relative performance back when you get these dash for trash periods. But these dash for trash periods don't last that long. And also they might be, um, they might be a bit, as the Americans call a bit of a head fake. Um, it, this, the rally might not amount to very much in reality. And some of the companies that go up 100, 200% might end up going under anyway. So. I think it's always, always right to be resilient, invest in really strong companies 
that have the balance sheets, that have long-term relationships with their, their clients, lots of recurring revenue, and that are paid in advance is even better than to receive the money they're due after they've delivered the service. It's, Harry, it sounds like you're not too worried about a revival, uh, a long uh, heralded arrival of, uh, of value investing, of, of investors who uh, buy uh, stocks cheap, um, thinking that they will return to uh, you know, a, a re-rating, get re-rated in due course. Uh, you, t you like to um, find growth stocks and you're, you're less fussy, I think, about the price you pay. Um, and uh, value style has been out of favour for a long time, but um, increasing numbers of people are thinking it uh, could uh, get an uplift from this potential you know, dash for trash that you're, you're talking about, or indeed uh, higher inflation from all the, the money printing that central banks and governments are uh, chucking at their economies. Right, yeah, I think there will be a period, as uh, I alluded to, there will be a dash for trash period, and there will be a, a period, it might, might two or three months or, or, or more even, where uh, value investing will take the lead, but it will be, it will be short term. It will be ephemeral. Um, I really think that what value investors overlook is that um, businesses change, and technology and the internet, the cloud, all these things. COVID, COVID actually accelerated the changes that were already happening. And some of these changes just leave traditional, let's say, bricks and mortar businesses left high and dry. So I think the value investors just assume that things are gonna go back to the way they were before. We don't think it will. Um, um, it, things are, are always changing and, and the strong get stronger and I'm afraid the weak get weaker. Um, it's, it's pretty Darwinian out there, and uh, we want to be in the companies that are tomorrow's larger companies, not yesterday's larger companies. Harry, thanks very much for, for spending the time with me. It's been uh, really fascinating to hear you discuss uh, what you've been doing, uh, uh, given the uh, upheaval uh, we've had in the stock markets this year. And thanks very thank much. You. Thank you very much, Gavin.